I forgot what this show is called. Hold on. <laughs> here we are at Classic Movies Live. All right, here we are at Classic Movies Live. Hold on, let me try that again. Uh, you're listening to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, the pre-recorded show where we give a lot of spoiler warnings, and sometimes we spoil movies that we didn't even give a spoiler warning for. Uh, we're probably not going to do that today. We got, probably not. We got lots of spoiler warnings for this one. Today we're talking about Knives Out, and um, this movie is very unique. Uh, this is probably going to be the only... This will, this will probably be the only review of uh, Knives Out you'll ever hear. Maybe the only review of any movie you'll ever hear where we give, like, tiered spoiler warnings. Yeah, because this movie has a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. It's like, a, it's like an onion. It's like an onion. Like an ogre. It's got a lot of layers. Layers, yeah. Um, yeah, so here's a... Oh, dang. I was going to say here's a trailer for Shrek 5, but that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't, no. So here's here's part of the trailer for Knives Out. There's a part of the trailer I really like. We'll just put in that part of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big but... fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. <laughs> and your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? <laughs> you think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. All right, Pierre, we're talking about Knives Out yes. on uh, Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded podcast, pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And uh, yeah, it's Knives Out today. Knives Out, uh, let's date this podcast. Knives Out came out yesterday. 27th. We are here on the 28th, having seen it less than 20, no, no, more than 24 hours ago. No. 15 le- hours ago. Less than 24 hours ago. Really? Yeah. Well, 15 is less oh, than 24. Oh, yeah, I'm stupid. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I meant 12 hours. I'm stupid. Uh, we had a really long weekend. We're both very sleep deprived. I've yes. been yawning nonstop for two hours. You're probably going to uh, hear a bunch of that today. And I woke or not two, two hours. hours I meant, ago. I meant so. two weeks. Um, very messy all over the place. But we watched this movie for the people. Yes. We know, uh, we, 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 we love our listeners, and we know that our listeners, uh, for our listeners, we're the only source of movie reviews. Of course. They don't even watch movies that we don't like. No. So, no other way. Uh, well, except some of them. Some say. of them have to see why we didn't like movies. That's like, true. Say, there you go. Like, like all the movies we talk about. <laughs> Captain Marvel, The Joker. You know, I've, I've noticed, like, we said early on into this, into this series, and we've said it repeatedly, that we, we just don't like movies on this podcast. But yeah. that has not been true for the last couple of movies. That's true, yeah. And, like... Jojo Rabbit and Joker? Yeah, even Joker. Like, I had most... I'm going to say I probably had mostly negative things to say, but yeah. even then, like, we both, we both liked like the movie. It. Yeah. Uh, the Lighthouse we really like. Oh, yeah, Lighthouse. We talked about The Prestige movie. and Taxi Driver, yeah. which are both movies we like. Yeah, that's true. I actually can't remember the last movie we talked about on here that we explicitly hated. It happened. 
It's been... It, That's a we, good point. I can't remember. It Chapter 2. I would say... Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about... It, I, I think explicitly hated is maybe... That's maybe strong language. No, I, but we, I, I really didn't. Well, I really we, did we didn't like, like it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, Knives Out is. I was very excited because it's a movie I've been looking forward to basically since it was announced. Yeah, uh, I love the idea of. Um, I love the like, Agatha Christie esque murder mysteries. Yeah. Um, I love. I think despite Ryan Johnson in the Last Jedi, which I personally didn't like very much, I think he shows a lot of creative. He he shows a lot of talent as a director. Yeah, at least in that movie, um, maybe not as a writer in some ways. For sure, I guess like I liked. He seems good as a writer, and that he could have if that wasn't a Star Wars movie. I think could have been really good. I think so. I've only seen two other Ryan Johnson movies, and I think there's like there's only really two other big ones. I want to say there's four in total, but like there's yeah. two other Ryan Johnson movies that I know that anyone knows. Are... Uh, it's Looper and The Last Jedi. Oh. And both of those, uh, <clears throat> both of those, if nothing else, they're ambitious. Mm. I would say that Looper has its faults, as does The Last Jedi. But both of those are like, he goes out of his way to try something new and interesting in both yeah. of those. And succeeds to some degree in both of them. Again, yeah. not fully in yeah. either of them. But he does like, he he does some interesting things. And so I like that. And uh, somehow or another, I actually wasn't expecting that going into Knives Out. Knives yeah. Out is, like you said, it's a, a Agatha Christie style whodunit, and um, or at least that's what it was marketed as. And so I'm interested to see Ryan Johnson's take on that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And also, just I like that kind of movie. Like it's just fun to, you know, there's a mystery that you have to solve throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Um. So I like that kind of I like that kind of movie. And uh, Ryan Johnson actually did go out of his way to do something interesting with it, which we're going to talk about uh, in after, in a while. Uh, uh, the, the after thing, we go through the first round of spoilers. Yeah, the thing with this movie is, and I guess you heard it in the intro, uh, this movie needs a lot of spoiler warnings. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot in this movie. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. I would say that... So let's, let's try as best as we can to summarize this movie without spoiling anything. Sure. Uh, you want to go ahead? Sure. It's a, again, it's a murder mystery. Yeah. Centered around a nurse. I can't, Marta, Marta is a nurse for a rich author. He's a, he's a murder, murder mystery. Murder mystery author. Yeah. Um, and essentially the movie starts with one of the maids, or not maids, but one of the nurses finding out that, this author has committed suicide, and uh, if and then the investig no, so yeah, they assume it was suicide. So, but then Daniel Craig's character comes in, and his name is Blanc, Detective Blanc, Blanc. Detective Blanc, and uh, he suspects that it is a murder. So the movie basically becomes who committed the murder. Yeah, even though it looks like a suicide. Well, that's the interesting thing is this guy. So. It's a suicide, but it doesn't seem like a typical suicide because the guy's throat was slashed. Mm. However, there was no signs of a struggle whatsoever. So as much as it kind of looks like a murder from just seeing that his throat was slashed, there's no signs of a struggle. So it's like, well, I guess he did that himself. Yeah. Which is really strange. Yeah. So it's it's a very weird looking suicide right out the gate. Yeah. So um, Detective Blanc comes in as with the other de- with the other police uh, detectives, and their goal is to figure out was it a suicide, and if it wasn't, like, 
what happened. Yeah. So um, this takes place. Uh, all of it, most of it takes place after the funeral of this guy on the like leading up to the will reading. And they bring in the entire family of what's his name? Hunter? Is it Hunter? It's the main uh, guy. Har- Harlan? Harlem. Harlan? Harlem Fem- Femble. Let me I remember their last name. Harlan Thromby. Thromby. So it oh Frank Oz was Alan Stevens. Interesting. So uh it it takes place up to the uh reading of Harlan Thromby's will. Yeah. And they bring in his entire family, which is he's got uh a daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um he actually has two sons, but only one of them is alive, and that's Michael Shannon. Yeah. Uh and he's got a he's got a daughter-in-law who's played by an actress i didn't recognize daughter-in-law yeah i don't know her name and um so it takes place around that like they they bring in all these characters and that's where that's that's what the trailer really emphasized about this movie was just the the all-star cast of characters and that each of them was basically their own big personality yeah and that's what this movie starts with is just sort of explaining all the personalities. All the personalities. So Jamie, here's Jamie Lee Curtis. This is why she's important. This is her relation to Harlan. And this is what happened uh, on Harlan's birthday, which yeah. is when he dies with her and Harlan specifically. Yeah. And here's Michael Shannon's character. And so you get like bits and pieces from kind of every character with a few notable exceptions. I would say this is probably my... I would say this is the biggest weakness of the movie is that it's got all of these characters but it actually doesn't go into very much detail on all of them no it it uh it makes a valiant effort because um you know you get a lot about michael shannon's character who's the youngest son and he's in charge of the publishing house um you get quite a bit about uh gosh i need to look up her name the his his daughter-in-law Daughter, yeah, I don't know her name. Uh, what? Yeah, there's, Tony Collette. You get a lot Tony from Tony Collette. Collette. There was a lot of, yeah, character setup, but mm-hmm. then in the end, I think it well, it's kind of part of, like Ryan Johnson. He's in this movie. He seemed to want to subvert expectations a lot, as he likes like to do. At yeah. least in the Last Jedi, from what I saw, he was very yeah. He liked that very much. So it it might have been a setup for all those characters to be look like they were going to be very intricately involved in the story. Yeah. But then like not focusing on them that much later. And I would say that this is both Ryan Johnson's strength and his weakness. Yeah. Because he's very easily able to subvert expectations. This movie did that very well. Yeah. But on the other hand, he sets up these characters and by subverting expectations the way he wants to, he ends up kind of ignoring all of them. Yeah. So I would say... All of the characters are well acted, but very few of them get very much screen time. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Langford, who uh, played but, Hannah, Hannah Baker in 13 Reasons yeah. Why, if people don't know the name. Yeah, so she's, she's like kind of a big name now, but yeah. she got relegated to a pretty small role. Honestly. Well, that's the thing is she got relegated to a small role, and yet it was a bigger role than, say, Jamie Lee Curtis. I would um, say, I'd say uh, that's. I'd say it was about even. Okay, about even. But still, yeah, it was. It was very. I I, I really want to get more into the family. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know how much more I can say without getting into spoiler territory. Again. So I do first before we get talking about spoilers. I want to talk about 
I want to talk about the family mm-hmm. um, and just kind of the actors in this because I do think I honestly think every single one of them did a great job. Yeah, well, um, they all did great. I wouldn't say there was ever like any true moment to shine for any single character, though. Unfortunately, I wouldn't say so, but I said, but I would say that like personally, I thought that Michael Ch- Michael Shannon and uh, Don Johnson really stole the show in every in every scene they were in. Who's Don Johnson? Don Johnson played Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Oh, okay. I liked them a lot in the scenes they were in. Yeah. They did not get a they didn't get individually great moments, yeah. but they also did get I would say they got more of their past explained than most of these characters. That's true. So Don Johnson, um uh Don Johnson and Michael Shannon both have so on on Harlan's birthday, it's it's a little strange because he doesn't know he's going to die. Mm. But he does treat it very much like his last birthday because he goes around, uh, he's just updated his will for one thing. And he goes around having individual conversations with all of the people in his family. Uh, And the ones that you get the most, um, without getting into spoiler territory, the the ones that those uh, conversations that you see the most of are his conversation with Michael Shannon yeah. about the future of the publishing house and his conversation with Don Johnson about um, he, he's not convinced that Don Johnson is a good fit for his daughter as a husband yeah. uh, without getting too spoilery. Totally, yeah. But um, you get those conversations and I think that those conversations are really good and because those conversations happen, those characters seem fully fleshed out to me for the whole movie because we've gotten enough of their backstory that we know if they were perhaps the murderer, they have motivations. Yeah. And which is um nice to know. Yeah. Like which, every, everyone seems like a suspect. Yeah. Um on the other hand, we don't get very much of Jamie Lee Curtis. We get a little bit of Tony Collette. Um, we get enough of Tony Collette as well. Tony Collette's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, we get her. We we she he also has a conversation with Tony Collette that we don't get as in depth as the other ones. I don't think there's a full scene mm-hmm. with her. There might be, but anyway, it seems a little more vague. Mm-hmm. But also, it gives her enough of a motive to be a suspect. Yeah. Um. But you know, for that reason, those three characters seem fully f- fleshed out. Where. Jamie Lee Curtis, Catherine Langford to some degree, and especially uh, the guy who played Bill in It. Uh, Jaden Lieberherr, is that his name? But anyway, it was... Bill. It's Bill. Bill is the main character of It Chapter One, the guy who's... Uh, who's um, oh, yeah. that was him. That was him. I knew he looked familiar. Exactly. Oh. He's in this as like... <laughs> he gained a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's uh, in this as another grandson or great grandson of Harlan. Grandson that is an internet troll, yeah. alt right act, online activist. Which was a very it was very weird because like they they talked so much about his character, but he never really actually says anything. That's the thing anything. is, I feel like him, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Captain Langford felt like big presences, but they didn't. Like they didn't have very much. They, they, they weren't were explained very much. Well. a lot. Exactly. But they never did anything. And I feel like that's an unfortunate wasted opportunity because yeah. they were they were fine. They they played their characters well, but they didn't really have that moment to stand out yeah. and show us why we should care. Yeah. That's like, that's the thing. It almost felt like they were like pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Like, 
like the 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 son was there um or the grandson was there to hear like he has he's proof that someone else he overheard a conversation right yes that's literally the only purpose he has in this movie yeah and it's a shame because you also get the you get the feeling that Ryan Johnson definitely fleshed out this character in his head, yeah. But then didn't uh, talk about him. Well, oh, it's either so, that or he. It, feel, it kind of feels like he's like, okay, I need someone to overhear one of these conversations, and it has to be someone that wouldn't speak up right away. So I'm gonna like create this kid, and then like I'm just gonna give him like a person. I mean, I'm just gonna give him a personality. That sounds like that makes him very memorable. But that's the thing. Not give him anything to do. It, was, so, it felt kind of like a band aid, you know. So that's I think that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is the kid has a personality. You know he's got a personality, but we don't get to explore him very much. And you would think that wouldn't be a problem, but Ryan Johnson also has another character in this movie, uh, who is Harlan's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who is almost not a character. She's in this movie specifically to see things or to overhear things and to be a piece of the puzzle. But she feels like a classical, like, Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie side character. Doesn't do it. Yeah, that doesn't do it. But she feels perfect with what she actually is in the movie Mm -hmm. because she doesn't have to have any more personality than she does. No. And the stuff that she does get it's she has the perfect amount of screen time for what her character is supposed to do yeah where with uh with jane lieberherr's character he has a personality and because he's given enough of a personality that we know he has a character yeah it feels like he needs a little more screen time to actually we'll show it. feel well, like a, a character that's right? the thing he never he never talks about like people talk about his personality yeah. but they never show it Right. You know, that's like it feels like a pretty basic like film film thing where like like you don't want to just like ex- exposition a yeah. character's personality. You, you got to show it on screen. You got to show don't tell, right? But yeah, but yeah. then yeah, that never really happened. So there is a lot of telling instead of showing in the case of a few characters in there this. There is, yeah. Um, and yeah. I would say that's the biggest weakness of this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also we should talk about like so Daniel Daniel Craig Daniel uh, Craig plays. He, he's he's the heart of this movie. He is. Uh, he plays the only detective who's not convinced that it's a suicide. Uh huh. And his name is Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc, yeah. which I thought was kind of neat because I don't I don't know all the characters in Clue. Yeah. But I that's isn't Mister Blanc one of them? I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, I think there Mr. is a Mister White. Oh, okay, yeah. And Benoit Blanc uh, would make him Mister White. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I don't know how uh, how much that relates to Clue, but I yeah. feel like that's a that I, I feel like that's the joke there. It's a cool touch. Like, I mean, they say at one point he lives in the Clue house, so like, yeah. Ryan Johnson was fully aware of what kind of movie he's making. Yeah, of course. Um. So yeah, Benoit Blanc and Daniel Craig plays him. He's this, uh, he's a Southern detective, which I think, I always think it's hilarious when Daniel Craig puts on a Southern accent. He does it really well. It's just so weird to see. It's comically, it's comically good. Yeah. The thing is like, so with some people, they'll put on an accent and it's comically bad. Mm -hmm. Daniel Craig can do the accents. It's just so weird because I know him as James Bond. Yeah, and it, it feels so out of place. Exactly. Especially, like, the way he looks and stuff. You wouldn't expect him to have, like, 
that voice, like in Logan Lucky. Yeah. Yeah, like a really crazy voice, but you're like, you, you know, you're used to it's James Bond. So. Right. Yeah, I love the contrast. But yeah, he was a really cool, like mysterious character at the mm-hmm. start. I really liked that. I think he played it really well it was in a corny kind of way yeah he embraced the corniness and he does this thing when they're interviewing all of their suspects where every time during each of the testimonies he'll like hit a note on the piano Mm -hmm. and um i think there's a reason to that like as i was going through i'm pretty sure i'd have to watch it again to be entirely certain but I'm pretty sure that when he's hitting the note on the piano, that's when he thinks he's caught them in a lie. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of that mm. because I just started to catch on the last time he did it. And yeah, then so. Tony Collette's character goes, excuse me, who is this? Yeah. And, and then I they introduce the, him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So he was he was really cool. Uh, I liked Anna de Armas as like. Who we're about to talk about a lot more. Yeah, but she was in the main... She seemed to be the main character, because we see her first, I believe. I right? believe she is the one who discovers... No, she, she doesn't discover the body. That was Fran. Oh, Fran, Fran discovers the body. Um, but she's the first one we see who like has been affected by... Yes, she is Harlan's caretaker. Yeah. Um, primary caretaker. He's got two maids, and she's the main one. Yeah. Or nurses. nurses. Nurses, maids, I don't, it's hard to say. Well, She basically said her role was... I believe Fran is a maid, and I think she is a... So she's a registered nurse. Oh, okay. I think Fran, Fran is, is a maid, a maid. Okay. and then she's his nurse. Okay, cool. But yeah, like, start off the movie. I, I thought her, her performance was really good. Like, honestly, she might have had the best performance because of how... But it was really subtle, mm-hmm. too. It's hard, like, because she, she's a very low-key character. Yes, in the movie, so um, and in any normal whodunit, she would be one of the auxiliary characters. She wouldn't be. She would be a suspect because you always suspect the gardener, right? Yeah, but but like she wouldn't actually be one of the suspects being investigated. Yeah, uh, she's not in the family. Like it'd be a lot more interesting if it's someone in the family that does it. In this movie, um, in this movie, she has a condition where she literally can't lie. Like, yeah. the thought of lying makes her puke, yeah. which makes her very interesting for Benoit yeah. Blanc. See, I thought that when I when I first saw it, I I thought it would just be, like, I was kind of, I felt kind of lazy, just like, oh, it's going to be a lot easier for Blanc because he found someone that literally cannot lie, right? Yeah. But then, like, she does eventually start lying more, but she has to, like, she, she, she learns how to control it or something. So if it, it, it kind of became like, like at first I thought it was just like a lazy, like, like well, she, a convenience for the yeah. detective. But eventually it actually became like a non-convenience because. Because she ends up putting herself in situations where she can lie and has some place to puke when no one's looking real yeah, quick. exactly. Or something like that. Um, should we get into spoilers? Yes, let's do it. First All right. round, first round. So here's the first round of spoilers. Here's your last warning. So what sets this apart from, I would say, normal whodunits, or what I expected, is that very early into the movie, you find out whodunit. Yeah, and it and was... it's it's uh, Anna de Armas's character, the nurse, the nurse. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's it's an accident. She um, very early accidentally gives Harlan a hundred milligrams of morphine, which mm. is a fatal dose because normally it's supposed to be three milligrams. Yeah, instead of a hundred milligrams of the medicine that he needs. Yeah, so. She does this accidentally, and she can't find her naloxone. Uh-huh. So 
she uh, can't help. And what she does is she uh, her, her, she tells Harlan immediately. And Harlan, instead of calling 911 to get help, because that could get her suspended and then it might get her family investigated and her mother is an illegal immigrant yeah. or an undocumented immigrant. He basically like works out with her character, Marta, uh, what she has to do to cover up this crime. And as she's doing it, what Harlan does is so that he doesn't die of an overdose, he slashes his own neck. Yeah. So it's actually a suicide, except that he would have died because if, of her. Yeah, if it wasn't for her. I, I do want to say I love the... Is it Christopher Plummer? Yes. Yeah. I loved his character specifically in that scene. Mm-hmm. He seems so... Like, surprisingly, like, before he before he died, he seemed, like, extremely full of life. You yeah. Because I think he... They never explicitly stated, obviously, but it very, very much felt like he, he felt like he was living in one of his murder mysteries. Well, and he was trying, and he was like, because he had it, he had it all planned out how she could get away with it, yeah. right? And he, she just looks so excited to help her do that. I well, guess. and the very first thing he does as soon as she's injected him with a hundred milligrams of morphine is, uh, he says, "Oh." That's really interesting. I'm going to write that down for one of my books. Yeah, yeah. And so... Because he doesn't fear... Well, he, he he clarifies it earlier that he doesn't really fear death anymore. Yeah. He doesn't mind it. Well, I mean... Honestly, he seemed kind of excited. Yeah, to, it, like, <laughs> what's die. interesting... I mean, I, I call back to earlier where I said he very much had his birthday party as if it was his last one. Yeah. I don't think he planned on dying, but he was no. like, oh, this works out really well for me. Yeah. And then also just all the, the like, he has a very, they mentioned it earlier with Jamie Lee Curtis's character, the daughter, that mm-hmm. he has a very interesting way of communicating with people, mm-hmm. or at least, like, with her, with his family. So, like, with him, I thought it might be, like, he kind of saw this as a way of, like, messing with his family, you know, and that, like, like everyone's going to wonder who did it and whatever, yeah. and then, like, but then she's going to get away with it. And I think he got... Kind of got excited with that. Yeah, he got excited. Like you said, he's basically living in one of his novels, and what a perfect way to go for someone like him. Yeah, so like he he did not, <laughs> he yeah. did not hesitate at all. And like I feel like it would have felt kind of forced if he wasn't like the the fact that he was a mur- murder mystery writer actually mm-hmm. helped a lot. Like it was kind. Of, it feels like kind of like a meta humor thing at first, right? But it actually like is what instigates the plot. Honestly, yeah, I feel like. I he feel, wouldn't have done it that way if no, he wasn't a, a writer. Actually, um, there's reason to believe a lot of the plot would not have been set in motion if he wasn't a murder mystery writer. Yeah. So, so it really feeds into it, which is awesome. Yeah. So most of this movie is Marta covering her tracks. Yeah. Which is really interesting because on the one hand, as soon as they reveal that it was her, I'm like, well, we're 20 minutes into the movie. What's yeah, going to happen? Like, what's the point? But then it but starts then to they, get interesting. Right. Because... Does. Blanc doesn't know immediately and conclusively, so he keeps investigating, and while he's investigating, you see, now that you know the ending, basically, Marta, uh, you're always watching for what she's going to do next, because on the one hand, you're watching her help the detective investigate herself, Mm -hmm. and on the other hand, you're like, you know in advance that she's the one who's being investigated, so she's trying to... 
take him off track while still also trying to figure out kind of what went, what happened. Yeah. Because there are, you know, some bits and pieces that aren't really clear. Yeah. And, um, at the beginning, he Blanc points out that she's the only one who has nothing to gain from Harlan's death. Until and then the will reading happens, which is actually the the will is read by Frank Oz, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. Yeah, um, and the will in the will reading, Harlan leaves everything to Marta, mm-hmm. which all of a sudden now she has a motive to kill him. Yeah, and that really is. Screws her over. It it honestly. really does because one now the entire family is against her, and the family doesn't actually suspect her of the murder immediately, do they? I don't... Um, no, not well. They don't really. They just assume it's a suicide. They don't really right. care until it turns out that she she's getting the will money. Right, and then they realize like, wait a sec, like we but really the thing hope is it's her. Too is. I don't think they even initially, there's only one or two members of the family that even suspect her of murder because their immediate thought is, let's get her to renounce the money. Yeah. It's not, let's have it forcibly taken away through uh, the Slayer Clause, which they bring up, which yeah. is if you killed someone then that left everything to you in their will, then you can't get the money from the will. Mm-hmm. Um but that's actually not even there. They bring it up, but, but but no one even really touches on that because they're uh, they all just assume it's a suicide. So their primary concern is just let's get her to renounce the will money because she doesn't know what to do with it, and we've got let's let's try and blackmail her or something. This I think is um, this is where a lot of that characterization would have happened in a normal whodunit. And because of the way this one is structured, this is where that characterization ends up not happening. We get a lot about Marta because from now, as soon as the will gets read out, it's Marta basically on the run. Yeah, um, I follow her. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like she basically essentially after, I think it's the second act. Basically, when yeah. we find out that she is the killer, that she becomes the main character. Which she like there wasn't really a focus at the start, right? Um, and then we just follow her and then the family, yeah, the family definitely goes into the, into the background background. because now the family is there as like auxiliary villains, Yeah, but they're not getting the characterization in, in the, in the second act of a normal whodunit. This is where we would now get a scene with each of the family members Mm -hmm. explaining like who they are, what they're doing and what motive, if any, they had to commit the crime and probably get a pretty pretty good idea of who it was. Yeah. But now we already know who it was, so we only focus on that person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and this is the second act is also when Chris Evans comes in. Yes, um, Chris Evans. Which I was really surprised. They saved him. Like, he wasn't in, like, the first hour, I want to no, say. No, he was in the trailers, and they mention him, and they might have shown him once. They show but, him in flashback. Yeah, but he notably times. was not at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they make a big point that he wasn't at the funeral. And then halfway through, at the will reading, actually, is where he comes in. And the big point of the will reading is uh, he believes he has been cut out of the will. And actually, he says, he's, he mentions that Harlan told him he has been cut out of the will. Yeah. Uh, and Harlan actually told him more than that. Um, but that doesn't come up in the conversation. 
But uh, the entire family, this is where the entire family sort of, you know, this is where they start to kind of all be the villain. They go, you know what? This is going to be really good for you. You're cut out of the will. You're going to have to make your own, make your own way. This is going to be good for you. Yeah, and it's really, man. it's really mean. I mean, kind. Well, I thought it, I thought it was kind of fair at first because he definitely seemed like the spoiled child of the family. He was for but sure. But then you later realize that everyone was the Every, spoiled child. Exactly. Like I think they put a lot of emphasis on, uh, like Jamie Lee Curtis's character. She's very, very proud of the fact that she's a self-made millionaire who had no help from her her family. Except that like her, her father, father basically got her started. Yeah, he loaned her a million dollars. Yeah. So like. Then you re- this, so that that comes in a lot later. So then I think it kind of unravels that like slowly unravels that this family isn't nice at all. No, but you think so. You think they're decent people at the start, right? Like, all of them. Kind of so we have Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who's a self-made millionaire, except that she, her first million came from her father. Yeah. You have Michael Shannon, who's in fr- who's in charge of the publishing company, but hasn't actually done anything himself. All he does is every time his father puts out a book he publishes he, he publishes it. it yeah and like that's all he does mm-hmm. doesn't need to do anything and like and that's actually kind of a point of frustration for him because he would like to do more but tethered to his father's publishing company he really he, he, he actually can't because he has to follow his father's wishes yeah which also makes i feel like he wouldn't be very good at managing no i don't think he would he just he seems to want money there's a scene too where his father comes up to him and doesn't actually say that he's cut out of the will, but now, but once you know that, and yeah. that's that's what he's getting across. He says he basically fires him from the publishing company, yeah. saying, "You should go your own way. Yeah. You should do what you want to do. Yeah. I I don't want you to be tethered to me." Yeah. And then that's him actually firing him from the publishing company. Yeah, yeah the reading of the will, the reading of the will was like the final touch because you could see how much everyone wanted the assets yeah and how because they were like it was like they were it was like it was a lottery you know like and like in a way it was but like each each family was like sitting together and they were like kind of shaking and like 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 prank secretly praying that and like, like they would get the most and and he reads out what the assets are he's like the house and then you see jamie lee curtis go oh i want the house yeah and i was surprised to see that because i always thought she or her her character always seemed the most sympathetic which is but why she, she would want the house, right? Because it's like it, it's the house is meaningful for her, right? I guess it's, it's like it's it's kind of a weak I, motivation. I still think but she like, just wanted money for sure. Um, but then you see sixty million dollars, and and then uh, Tony Collette's character, who is a deadbeat who doesn't have any money, yeah. and Catherine Langford's character, they like perk up at the at the mention of the money. Yeah, and the a, publishing company, and I, then you see Michael Shannon perk up. I think the movie really shows what money does to people, yeah. too. Like, especially, like, I kind of saw that with Catherine Langford's character, just how, like, she was friends with Marta. Or, like, she seemed to be the only one that treated Marta properly. Yeah. But then once the money came in, it became a very... She kind of... Her character definitely shifted. Yeah, she over. still tried to, like, get that facade of sympathy, but yeah. also it was definitely a facade at that point. It definitely felt like she was one of those... She, she felt... Like a character that she was acting nice. She was using her friendship mm-hmm. to pretend like she cared. Right. Or like she did care, but then also like she's like, please give me money too. Like exactly. I'm the only one that cares about you, you know? Yeah. So it felt like she was using her. Um, so yeah, like I thought that was a really cool theme to have. 
Yeah, you want to you want to jump into the next round? Let's let's finish up talking about Marta as sure. well. So, um, I think uh, what what happens with Marta? Uh, there's they they get the to- they get their hands on the toxicology report. Oh yeah. Of uh, so this that would basically if Marta did uh, give him too much morphine, then that would prove it. And yeah. if that to- if um, you know, at this point, we're operating under the assumption that she absolutely did do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, destroying the toxicology report destroys all the evidence. There's She can no longer be proven guilty. Therefore, she is innocent, basically. Yeah. So um, a big part of this movie in the second act becomes, I mean, first she uh, heads out with Ransom, who... Um, Ransom being Chris Evans' character, who seem, who who was cut out of the will anyway and knew it, so he's already come to peace with the fact that he's not getting any money. Mm-hmm. So he seems like a very sympathetic character and kind of he ends up being the only one who uh, seems like he's not trying to manipulate Marta in any way because yeah. he already knows that. So he basically operates under the assumption his entire family is greedy and doesn't deserve his time. Yeah. Um, so him and Marta sort of head out and that toxicology report comes up. So, um, the, most of the second act is her trying to get the toxicology report mm-hmm. and, uh, with Chris Evans, with Chris Evans. Yeah. They kind of become a, a duo yeah. in it together. And this is where we meet Fran again, because Fran is, turns out to be the one that has the toxicology report. Mm-hmm. And I guess let's jump into the next round of spoilers. Sure. So this is very spoilers. If you're already this far, like, I guess, cool. <laughs> but also, if you're already this far and this movie sounds interesting to you, stop here because we are spoiling the last scene of the movie. Yeah. So, so last chance. Three, two, one. So we said earlier that the cool thing, that the thing that they do differently about this movie that makes it kind of interesting and a different and a diversion from a whodunit is that at the very beginning, you know whodunit, but in the last scene, it turns out you actually knew nothing because it was someone else the entire time. Yeah. So uh, at the very end, we get that toxicology report. And just as Marta is giving away everything that she had and is like, you guys can have the money. I don't want it. Yeah. Detective Benoit Blanc, Blanc comes in the and at the last second, stops her and says, this murder, this was a suicide, not a murder. Uh, please, everyone, get out of Marta's house, yeah. basically. And uh, this is because he read the toxicology report. Harlan's blood was completely clean. He never got, more, he never got an overdose of morphine in the first place. It yeah. was fully a suicide. And uh-huh. if he just called 911... They would have found out nothing was wrong with him. Yeah. Because what had happened is that Ransom, Chris Evans' character, had found out that he was cut out of the will. And because of that, what he'd done is he switched the labels on the morphine and the the thing he was actually supposed to get. Mm -hmm. And then stolen Marta's naloxone so that she would give him the correct dosage of the correct thing. And then think that she'd done something wrong, frantically look for the naloxone, and then, I guess, I don't know, something from there. I guess he sort of assumed that... I'm not sure. Why was it that he knew that Harlan would die then? Who? Blanc? No, uh, Ransom, because he... Oh, he didn't know. 
Oh no, he he. Oh well, he oh he, he knew because it was supposed to. Right, he, he switched the he switched he would the get Injected with heroin. Yes. And then and she then, would die. Then he would die, and she would get blamed right away. Yes. But then it was ruled a suicide, but, and he got confused. Well, it was yeah, it was ruled a suicide. So he'd hired a detective to uncover basically what he to uncover what he had expected was going to happen in the first place. Yeah. Because it turns out Martha is a very good nurse and can actually recognize morphine from the other thing uh, right away based on its viscosity because she knows what medicine looks like. Mm. So she panicked when she read the wrong label, but she had actually injected him with the correct thing. Yeah. So she didn't kill him. So she didn't kill him. It was fully a suicide because Harlan got excited, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he did it too quickly. Oh god, um, but I, I I see why he did it. Like if 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 he died from the overdose, then well, it would Harlan... look like a suicide, and it would obviously be her, right? Yeah. So he and killed himself before. Harlan didn't want Marta to come to trouble. Yeah. Uh, to get into trouble. To get into trouble, um, so he basically made that noble sacrifice. Yeah. Except that it being a suicide was not part of Ransom's plan at all. Yeah. Uh, so he hires Blanc. Because if it's a suicide, he doesn't get... He, he can't, can't use, use the, the Slayer, Slayer Clause, clause. Yeah. which somehow or another, he's the only one that thought of that. I mean, I, Tony Collette brings it up, yeah. but it's but no one actually seriously suspects Marta of killing him. Yeah. Or even of medical malpractice, which is what we spend the entire movie thinking is is what happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a big... I thought it was a really cool way of doing the whodunit because in because the end it was one of the family in the end then... it was one of the family it actually so the beginning and the end are exactly like a whodunit but there's that section in the middle where it seems like it's something completely different which yeah. i think is a really cool way to subvert expectations it was i liked how uh the movie based like it, it throws you off completely because i honestly like it feels like with a whodunit you can't ever have like a straight up like it was one of these people yeah usually because, like, it, it feels too obvious, right? So right. So in this case, instead of bringing in, like, a character at the last second, it, it just throws you off the scent completely. And what's interesting is it. it was one of the people that you would typically find out as the or, like, think of as, as the main character. Yeah, as a person that was cut out of the will. Yeah. And then... It's a person who actually had the strongest motive. At, yeah. the, end, at the end of the day, it turns out that it was kind of the most obvious, obvious. guy except asshole. throughout the movie it's not obvious at all yeah and he i think he did uh, ryan johnson did a great job of just I, it felt like he kind of i feel like he was writing it and then he realized like there's no way i can make this movie without like people like just kind of assuming it's one of these people and, right like like latching on because i feel like it's always it's never as clever as you want it to be. Yeah. You know? So in this case, he just, instead of trying to make it as clever as possible, it still was pretty clever. Oh, yeah. But instead of that, he just he just kind of like, it's like a roller coaster of... Well, he throws you off the scent knowing by... Knowing it and then not knowing it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, he basically says, I, I gave you everything. There's nothing else to know, right? Yeah, he ends up... So in a, in a, in a well-made whodunit Agatha Christie style thing there's clues all along the way where you can figure out who it was before the end Mm -hmm. there's that in this too but the way that he changes it is he tells you who it was before the end which you typically wouldn't get and then by telling you you're no longer looking 
very hard. Exactly. That, I thought that was so cool. Uh, and then, yeah, I think Chris Evans' character... I love him. He does shift a lot in this movie. I yeah. think he had a lot of fun. Because he starts out... Uh, he's the spoiled brat, and that's what you know. But also, as soon as he's introduced, along with the rest... Or introduced, because he comes late yeah. to uh, the family gathering, the entire family kind of turns on him. So all of a sudden, he's the underdog, so you feel sympathetic for him. And mm. then like he tries to help out Marta, so he's... He feels like the good guy, and then at the end, there's this complete shift, but not out of nowhere, mm-hmm. where he definitely becomes the bad guy of the movie. Yeah, and I he, he put in, like, I thought his, like, I, th- I thought the whole, like, reveal thing was a little too long at the end. Um, I think they overplayed it a bit, but, like, I, I think don't know, because they... Daniel they... Craig was having a lot of fun with that scene, so, like, I didn't feel like it dragged too much i felt i i didn't i don't know if i feel the same way because it was very much a you know at the very end the detective reveals everything Mm -hmm. and that's where he shows you that's where ryan johnson shows you remember when people said this about his remember when people said he missed the funeral this is why he missed the funeral yeah remember when we saw fran and fran got uh, was hit with an overdose of morphine this is why that happened. Mm. This is where the toxicology report comes in. And like, he's just clearing up, he's like tying together all those loose ends. Mm. And and these are loose ends you never they're loose, existed until... Well, they're loose ends the that end were the there. Like, the, you could you could find them out. The only loose end that, that got me was like, who hired Blanc? That's what kept me, that's actually what kept me interested. Well, that's too. what kept Blanc interested too, because yeah. throughout the entire thing, so it starts out as an investigation of a murder sort of like around around the time that we figure out who did it. Blanc doesn't figure out who did it, but he kind of shifts his focus onto a different mystery, which is who hired him. And that's sort of his focus of the movie because he figures out, because he figures if he can figure out who hired him, that's probably the missing piece of the puzzle. Who knew that Harlan, or who is it that suspects that Harlan was murdered rather than committed suicide. Yeah. And it turns out that that is the missing piece of the puzzle because it was Ransom who hired him. Mm-hmm. And Ransom, he's doing that to, as sort of damage control for himself. Yeah. Which ends up not working because the detective is a really good detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing too. I think the block kind of comes off as like a joke until the very end when you yeah. realize like, Oh, he did. He, he figured it out. I wasn't expecting. Like you kind of were. Yeah. But you also weren't because like he actually doesn't do much in the way of investigating throughout the movie because you're again you're focusing on uh, Anna Darmus, Marta's character. Right. Well, he almost doesn't have to because he reveals again at the end of the movie that he knew that. That's she true. actually did it the whole time. Or she was part of it. Or that, yeah, that she was heavily involved to the point of if anyone committed the murder, it was her. Yeah. He knew that the whole time, he reveals at the end, because the whole time she had blood on her shoe. Yeah. Which she notices at the beginning, but it's never clear that Blanc noticed that until the end. Yeah, I really like that. It, it showed he, well, like, it makes a lot of sense that, like, because at the start he comes off as really stupid because, like, Marta's just, like, screwing with his whole investigation, and it feels kind of obvious, but he's still, like, it feels like he completely trusts her, right? Well, But, but that... then well, you realize, like, oh, he was keeping her close because, because he knew 
she had something to do with it. Yeah, so... so it, made, it made a lot of sense after that. Yeah. Yeah, he's keeping her close because he knows that, like, she's up to something. And if he can figure out what she's up to, that's probably related to what he needs to figure out himself. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I thought this movie was really clever. Um, Same. And, Very well. I'd say it was definitely in the writing that's shown out. Yes. Um, unfortunately, yeah, like, I think I think there was a lot of potential for a lot for, like, acting, great performances, but... I want to see this same style of thing. Like, I want to see kind... I don't know. I I really want to see a good whodunit. And this was good, but it didn't... Didn't feel like a whodunit. Well, it, it almost didn't, right? Because to me, what I'm missing from this movie, the only the only major negative of this movie is that there's all of these characters who are clearly very interesting characters that we get very little of. Yeah. And so what's missing for me is that extra characterization and I don't know I it's I want to say I want to see the same thing done as a miniseries but I don't think I do I think that no, the I way this movie well. was made works as a movie mm. what I want to see is just I, I just want to see murder on the Orient Express done really really well yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah exactly I, I want to like a classic whodunit yeah we get to know the characters but I mean like again this was still a great movie yes it tried something different and I think it paid off pretty well and that's what I always admire Ryan Johnson for I think he has yet to make he has yet to make his best movie that's true. And yeah. I mean, that seems kind of a weird thing to say because he's made movies. One of them is the best. But I feel like he's got a movie in him somewhere that's going to just be incredible and knock everything out of the water. Yeah. I just don't think he's made that yet. And even yeah. with this, I don't think he's made that. No. It um, shows potential. But this was good. Yeah. I, I want to see him subvert expectations in the way he does and not leave something glaring out, which is what I feel like has happened in every single one of his movies. That's something. Uh, it, overall, it's worked really well, but there's something missing that is major, and yeah. that's always been the case. Yeah. And so, hopefully, I'm hoping that whatever his next movie is, it's it's that like it's it's as good as this and better because it's not missing something. Yeah. All right, Jeff, would you recommend this movie? I would. Would you recommend Murder on the Orient Express? I wish. I actually didn't like Murder on the Orient Express. I think oh, I thought it was so boring. I think that uh, Murder on the Orient Express is a story that should be done really well, and it uh, the last one that they did was fine, I guess. Yeah, fine, man. Well, I think that I think it's getting a sequel. They're doing another they Agatha Christie, yeah. so maybe that one will be good. Hopefully. I like I like the Inspector. Uh, mm. Kenneth Branagh as sorry, what's his name? Poirot. Poirot, yes. Poirot. I like uh, I like Kenneth Branagh as Inspector Poirot, and I would like to see more of that. I hope that for the next one, it's not only Kenneth Branagh doing the creative decisions because I think he wrote the movie too, mm. and he's a good writer. But not I good enough. <laughs> not not good enough. He needs <laughs> he needs someone helping him out. Maybe Ryan Johnson because. Kenneth, what they did do well in Murder on the Orient Express is they had all those character moments. Mm. I wouldn't say all of those character moments necessarily landed, <laughs> but they had those. Yeah. And with you know, you know, you get you get Kenneth Branagh and Ryan Johnson together. Maybe that could maybe you could get the perfect Who Done It. Yeah, you can balance it out pretty well. So uh, yeah. yeah, recommend definitely go watch it. Yeah. Movie. All right, and uh, what are we talking about next time? 
I don't know, something Christmassy, maybe. Probably something Christmassy. This this episode might have come out after Christmas. Oh, possibly. So uh, our next maybe episode, not. our next episode is going to come out. Uh, after you're hearing this, I'm gonna say I'm gonna just make a prediction here. I'm gonna say our next episode comes out January 25th, exactly one month after Christmas, and we're gonna talk about a Christmas movie. Perfect. We'll see if that's true. <laughs>